The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. And I think that one of the take home points is like, how do we create our environment that we're living in no matter where it is? If you're in the city, how do you make your house, how do you make the inside of what you're, you're living, your space feel peaceful? Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? People tell me, and not trying to brag, but people tell me that I look younger than I am, to which I say thank you so much. But I wonder why. Is it the water that I drink? Because I do drink a ton. Is it genetics? I don't know. But on today's show, Dr. Diane Mueller, she's going to return to us for round two of Thriving Over Surviving. And as I expressed in the last episode with Dr. Diane, she's a functional medicine expert. And what I didn't mention is that she and her husband founded a medicine with a heart Institute, which she trains other clinicians in functional medicine, including how to work with advanced chronic complicated diseases. And so this is a really smart human being that we're talking to is what I'm trying to say. She specializes in reversing your chronic disease, those of all types. And when people have been told, you know what, you just have to live with this. I know so many people that I've interviewed, they've said, you're never going to walk again and they walk, but they've had to reach out to different resources and find out what that looks like for them to be able to get there. So today we're going to talk about aging gracefully. So Diane lives in Colorado now, she told me, and she um, says she loves living in the forest. I am more of a beach girl myself. Diane, what is so great about the woods? So many things. I mean, one, we have beer, bear, not beer. We do have beer, but I don't really drink beer, but it is bear <laughs> on our property and beer on our property. That's what I'm trying to say. And so that's, it's really amazing when it's so quiet and peaceful that in the summertime, I sometimes get woken up by like the noisy aspen leaves rustling in the wind. You know, it's <laughs> so, it's so peaceful. And I'm a huge snowboarder. So for me, like wintertime is like the holy grail of the, the seasons. And I just, I love really being in the snow. I love being a snow bunny. It's just my happy place. It's a place that I feel, I think the most connected to the world, to myself, you know, that sort of thing. You love the snowboarding. I think that is the jam and that's great exercise too. I know people that ski and things and love that. So Diane, that is a healing thing too, though, isn't it? Being in, you know, your happy place and being around things that you love puts you in a good mindset, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's so much to be said about the way our environment can help with stress resiliency and with our mood and that sort of thing. And 
you know, it's interesting. My friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Kurt Beale, did a, a really interesting study years ago where he took people and he put them in a city and then like, you know, downtown in a city to put them in a city park and then took them out into like the woods. And what he was doing was he was running cortisol or stress hormone. He was running the levels in these different environments. And if I remember his work correctly. It wasn't very long. It was like being in these environments for 10 minutes and then would take their stress hormone levels to see what happened. And it was so interesting within 10 minutes in the city, stress hormone completely off the roof in the woods, stress hormone within 10 minutes completely fell. And then as you would you know, imagine in a city park, it was kind of at the midpoint. So it really was like super cool to, to see that work and to see how quickly being in certain environments can really create these, you know, these feelings. So for me, that comes from the woods, you know, for you, like you said, it's the beach. And I think that one of the take home points is like, how do we create our environment that we're living in, no matter where it is? If you're in the city, how do you make your house? How do you make the inside of what you're, you're living, your space? feel peaceful, feel relaxing, because you can have that difference in your nervous system in literally 10 minutes. So I would assume that that overall, for over a long period of time with those cortisol levels, the level of stress that you're experiencing, does that impact the aging process? Oh yeah, there's definitely, I mean, from an aging process standpoint, we know that stress definitely matters. But what is really, really interesting is that we used to say that stress kills. Now we can say with the current research, we can say your perception of stress kills. Because here's another study that's just mind blowing, which is researchers were looking at stress. And one of the things that I see in a lot of research studies on stress is making people stand up on stage and performing mental arithmetic on the spot like that creates a stress response in a lot of humans. And so that was part of this research study, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody's like, oh yeah, that would, that would stress me out. So that creates a stress response in humans. And what this researcher did, or these researchers, what they did was they put people through these stress tests and then they would be asking them, they would take their stress hormone levels and they would ask them at the moment they were taking their stress hormone levels, what they were thinking. And what they were finding is, all of these people in the exact same environment. And some of them were thinking like, you know, more typical thoughts, stressful thoughts around, this is so horrible. I'm so embarrassed. I'm never going to get through this. You know, that sort of thing, the kind of negative thoughts. There was people that they classified as neutral thoughts. And then there were other people they classified by their, the, their thinking pattern as more like positive, like the silver lining, like, yeah, this is challenging, but I want to get over my stage fright. And they were so seeing that silver lining. And what they found was remarkable, depending upon how people actually perceived and internally dialogued, thought about their stress, actually made a difference in their stress hormones. So yes, the stress hormones can be um, intense for us, but it's really the perception to stress that's probably more part of the aging process than actually the stress itself, which is another reason, like in your you know, other episode, we talked about the Hack Your Mind course that I'm giving away to your audience. And that's another reason for doing that course is because we're teaching you in that course how to start working with this internal dialogue that it's so easy to think that we have no control over. And in many ways, we don't until we like anything. It's a learned skill. 
So it's not that you don't have, it's not that you can't learn how to have control over your thoughts. It's that you just haven't learned how to do this skill yet. Okay. And I told everybody during the first episode with Dr. Diane that I'm checking out that Hack Your Mind course. It's pretty incredible. So I will talk about it at the end of the show, but everybody's got to go over there and, and see what that looks like. So Diane, what else can we do to age more gracefully? So another thing we see in research is that slowly over time, as we age, our blood sugar tends to go up. And so it's thought to be, you know, and this is kind of a, still a little bit of theory and research, but it's thought to be that blood sugar dysregulation is really a huge part of why we age. And we even see that, for example, like Alzheimer's dementia has now been labeled as type three diabetes. Because now we're seeing that for many people with dementia, with Alzheimer's, part of it is this blood sugar dysregulation that happens in the brain. And then our cognition goes down. You know, in Alzheimer's, we wind up getting other, you know, other situations. We get tau proteins and we have other issues that are actually creating it. But it's, it's partly due to the process of having that increased blood sugar. So a huge thing with aging is making sure we are really balancing our blood sugar and there's a couple interesting things from, you know, research to really consider. One is that we see that if you get less than six hours of sleep, you are insulin resistant the entire next day. Insulin resistance is essentially blood sugar issues. And so one night of, of sleep where you're not sleeping, you know, deeply or not getting a lot of sleep is definitely problematic. But as long as you're like having good sleep after that, it's, it's not a huge deal. But for anybody that's going through sleep issue after sleep after sleep issue, you're actually putting yourself at risk for diabetes, for aging faster, all of these things. And I know I work with a lot of sleep issues, so I know it's like not as easy as just being like, well, just go to bed earlier, right? There's why is that happening? And so that's, again, another place we can look for that root cause. And there's a lot of different reasons for it from cortisol imbalances, from nutrient imbalances, from toxins on the brain, from hormone dysregulation, mold toxins do that. And an un, uh, one, some, one thing that people are not even thinking a lot about when it comes to just sleep is sleep apnea, which typically we think is like something that's really only affecting people after a certain weight and, and that sort of thing. But I actually see mild sleep apnea in a lot of my patient population. And I even had it because I had a tongue tie that was never fixed when I was released. So my tongue was sliding back in my throat. So I actually, even just this past year, got tongue tie surgery where they released that so I could actually put my tongue at the proper place and, you know, and then no longer have to deal with sleep apnea. So there, these are some of the things that we need to make sure that we're thinking about from an outside the box perspective. What is tongue tie? I have to ask. So tongue tie is where that, that muscle under the tongue is basically too tight. And what happens when that muscle is too tight is the tongue is supposed to largely rest on the upper palate. And that is what keeps the air, airway open. When the muscle under the tongue is too tight and the tongue can't rest, it can't move fully up to rest on the upper palate. And when we sleep and we're laying horizontally, because the tongue isn't able to go on its proper place, it actually starts to slide a little bit down our throat and then, and then blocks the airway a little bit. And so then we don't sleep as deep and connect it to this whole thing. Then we wake up insulin resistant. And if we're doing that every day, that can lead to part of the aging process. 
If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I have sleep apnea and I use a very sexy machine at night to help me and make sure that I get my full quality of sleep. If you know you're having those issues, there is not always, like you said, the reason that society perceives that you have sleep apnea, which is being overweight. I know many thin people, fit, healthy people that also have sleep apnea. We can't just take things at face value. We need to look deeper um, and figure that out. So aging gracefully, was there anything else that you wanted to share with us on that topic? Oh, it's such a big topic. We could go on forever, but I'll, I'll just keep it at one other thing. The other amazing thing that we see really, really help is intermittent fasting. And so by intermittent fasting, doing it at least a few times a week where you are doing a 16 plus hour fast. So say you eat dinner, you say you take your last bite of food at dinner at seven, then starting the clock then and not having your first bite of food until 16 hours after that the next day. And 16 is a magic number because 16 is where this process called autophagy starts. And autophagy is something, it's a process in the body that only starts after we've fasted for a certain number of hours, 16 is the magic number. And that's actually when the cells start to detox and repair themselves. So when we're eating in less in the more wider window than that all the time, we're constantly actually giving the cells the signals to build, 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 which is good. But imagine building a house and as you're building it, you know, you have the dust on the floor, you have nails that didn't work, you have the old plot, you know, the old two by fours. And so you build this great house, but you don't take out any of that trash. That essentially is what's happening. And so you have this house that's beautiful, but there's this mess inside. It doesn't function as well. When we fast for that 16 plus hour mark, that's basically what's happening is we're allowing the trash that is built up in the cell to actually leave. And then the cell starts functioning better. So that's why people are talking so much about intermittent fasting. And it's amazing because it also helps with blood sugar balance. It helps with lowering inflammation. The research is huge. It doesn't mean you can't eat. You can still eat as much as you, you know, you feel good on. You just narrow your window a few times a week. And the best thing about it is you can just do it. You can start today. So it's not just a fad. It's a real thing. And it really does help you. And I have tried it before and I liked it. I, I really did. At that time, I was taking a medication and I was getting nauseous because I wasn't eating, which is a thing for me, but I would, I'm not anymore. And so I'd really love to try that 16 plus hours. I, I, I think I can do it. And I will let you know, Diane, how it goes. Thanks so much again for being here for our second episode. I want to mention our next episode is going to talk about detoxification. So make sure you pay attention to that. But can you share um, with the guests? I know you alluded to that Hack Your Mind freebie that you're, you're giving away. Can you share that again? And then tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So Hack Your Mind is something that I am giving to your audience for free. And you guys, I really hope you'll take advantage of this. The whole purpose of Hack Your Mind, it's an online course. No, normally it's $297. And basically I go through the research on some of the techniques, some of the things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to put your nervous system into the state that is sending the signal to heal. And, and there's research on this, right? And so we want to, when you're going through chronic disease, we want to always make sure we're sending the right signals to your body. And, and there's research supporting this. I'm going to go through that in this course. Like I said, totally a gift for you for free. 
please take advantage of it. I think it can really, really help. People can find me at Medicine with Heart Institute, which is my clinical training program for doctors and clinicians that want to learn how to better treat clinical disease, up their, up their skills, and make a bigger impact. And so that's mindbodyfunctionalmedicine.com. And for anybody that's interested in joining my medical practice, we do treat people all over the country and even some internationally. And you can find us at medicinewithheart.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Diane Mueller. I hope you do well between now and our next show. Keep thriving. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.